Good morning to everyone in Southeast Louisiana. Now that we've hit record on the recorder, we're uh, we're live, as we were saying a second ago, um, after we got our five-yard false start penalty. B.J. Young will be joining us at noon. The turtle stiffed us. He's not going to be joining us at 12.15. Oh, he's, oh, i got to work. Oh. Some people have to work. Kind of, kind of a deal is that. Not this guy. <laughs> I, um, the argument could be made that since I turned 22, I haven't done a whole lot of that either. But, you know, hey, we're here today. Um, but Turtle will join us tomorrow. But in lieu of Turtle, that means we'll be able to get our mailbag done. Well, we'll be able to talk about some different things happening in the world of sports, and we'll be able to have a good time. Um, we wanted to do this on Monday, but my esteemed producer was not able to get the clips working. But ironically enough, though, right, he was able to get the clips making fun of me working, which I always thought was a little bit fishy. <laughs> um, but but anyway, as we like to do on our Monday shows, we had South Lafouche getting a win over South Terrebonne, and we like to relive some of that by giving you guys who were at the stadium um, kind of a rundown of some of the big calls in the game. So, early in the ballgame, South Lafouche got a big fourth down stop on South Terrebonne's first drive of the game, and that play was as follows. Gators are in the gun. Blanchard waiting on the snap. It's a sweep, and no, they don't no, have no, it. No, they no. don't have it. No, sirree, Bob. We told you it would be hard to run for a yard against this Tarpon defense, and they swallowed that play up whole. Turnover on downs. The Tarpons will take over the 43. <laughs> no siree, Bob. What kind of a douchebag says that? <laughs> um, South Lafouche. I know one. <laughs> <laughs> South Lafouche then struck first on a four-yard touchdown run from Meathead. Landon Dardor, 7-0 Tarps. Tarpons play second and goal. I-form set from the right hash. Ogeron will hand it to the second man through. That's Dardor, and he's in for a Tarpon touchdown. <laughs> South of Who's got a big surge. They punch it in, and the Tarpon strike first. It's 6 nothing, pending the extra point drive. One Mr. Cesar Gonzalez. What a drive for the Tarpons. It looked like the Tarpons were going to pull away and get a bunch of separation driving down the field, but the Gators had other plans with a big interception of a Carson Ogeron pass that they almost took to the house. Ogeron on a straight drop. It's a screen, and it's intercepted, oh. and this might be a pick six. The Gators are going the other way. Ogeron will tackle him. That's a huge tackle. Number 45 intercepted it. Trinity Dupree. (laughs) You can just hear the dejection like someone stole my puppy. (laughs) Uh, South Terrebonne turned the short field into a touchdown. Ricks on a four-yard touchdown run tied the score 7-0. Second and goal. Direct snap again. Trying to turn the corner. He's going to be hit and stopped short, I think. Nope, he's in. That's number 22. Jeray Riggs gets in. Pending an extra point, we're going to be tied here in Galliano. At the very end of the first half, South Terrebonne actually took the lead with a 30-yard field goal to take a 10-7 halftime lead. 30-yarder. Gutierrez gets the snap. The kick is up. Looks good. And it is good. So the Gators add three to their lead, 10 to seven, with 15 seconds to go in the opening half. But after halftime, B.J. Young got his team back right. The Tarpons played extremely well in the second half. A 12-play, 70-yard drive was capped with a touchdown run from Carson Ogeron, one of two touchdown runs he had in the second half. Tarpons in the eye. 
play action. Bootleg. He's got a man, but he doesn't see him. Now he reverses he's to the in. left. He's in. And he's in. Carson could have thrown it for a touchdown, but boy, he had a guy wide open, but he reversed his field and ran it for a touchdown. There's no flags. The Tarpons lead 13 to 10. And after going up 14 to 10, South Lafouche added some insurance on a play that Almost made me come out of my shoes because the officials didn't know where the ball was and thought that the fullback had it. They were saying, oh, you're down, you're down, you're down. The whole time, Carson's standing in the end zone with the ball on a one-yard touchdown run. 6.23 and counting. The Tarpons lead 14-10, to 10, looking to add some insurance. Out of the eye, Ogeron keeps. Ogeron's in easy, upstanding. Tarpons go up 20 to 10 after a missed two point conversion, and we're thinking smooth sailing, right? No, wrong. 85 yard kickoff return gets the Gators right back in the game. It's the kick. Be caught at about the 15 yard line, working up the field. Cutting in towards the middle, making a man miss. Is number one still going? Look out. He's gone. And for the second play in a row, the Tarpons special teams. Watch, he's going to block him in the back. Nope. Gives up a score. He's gone. Number one, Logan Marcel. The Tarpons had him corralled. And just when it felt like the Gators were running out of life, they run the kickoff back for a touchdown, and it's 20-16. to That, my friend, cannot happen. (laughs) But it did. But South Lafouche, after actually going and uh, not being able to run out the clock offensively, they have to punt it back to the Gators. But Mr. Caden Jarvis said, you know what? No bueno. I'm going to go ahead and get the game-winning interception. Blanchard in the gun. Strong side of the field to the right. He rolls out. Throws to the sideline. Intercepted! Caden Jarvis. Jarvis with the interception. The Tarpon defense is going mad. With 2.39 to go. South Lafouche is a first down or two away from maybe winning this one. At point, the Tarpons ran out the clock and secured a 20-17 to win over South Terrebonne. Boy, I like playing those clips. I uh, like hearing the way that we sound on the radio. It's a pretty good call on that last play, Jarvis getting the interception. Um, Tarpons. Yeah, I, I'm sorry, but I think that's where some people got upset. Not from the South Lafouche area. Oh, bro, it sounds like you're, it's your own son who made the interception. My bad for coaching Caden Jarvis since he was seven or eight years old and actually loving the kid, right? Speaking of being upset. How about them Cowboys? Oh, God. <laughs> you better hope the Cowboys don't make a run this year because I know how to edit audio, too. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to uh, use Audacity, yes, too. Yes, you do. Um yeah, so the Tarpons head into their uh, game with Lutcher this weekend. Should be a fun one. We look forward to chat with BJ. We had Dwayne Jenkins on yesterday, and uh, he sounded pretty confident. The Tarpons had yeah, an okay practice yesterday. We were watching them work a little bit before the LCO game, but let's talk about that LCO game for a second. Um, the Bulldogs uh, just came up a little bit short, man. Uh, you lose 11-8 to in a game that was well played, a game that could have gone either way at the end of the day. Uh, some turnovers, some minor mistakes here and there were the difference. Um, I mentioned it uh, live on our broadcast. I'll say it again here. I know we've got a bunch of listeners in the Thibodeau area. They're going to appreciate us saying this. Um, I could watch those two teams play every day. Um, it was well coached, well played, and when the kids for LCO would get a first down, there was no hooting, hollering, and dancing. They would throw the ball to referee, go back in their huddle. When the kids for E.D. White made a play, 
same thing. It was two programs that are run the right way by very good coaches. Coach Keefe is an excellent coach. Coach Pokey is an excellent coach. And for the second straight year, E.D. White defeats LCO via a kick. Uh, last year, it was a made extra point. This year, it was a made field goal. 11-8 to eight was the difference. Um, coach Pokey told me after the game, he said, look, we lost, but I think we got better. Um, and and I, I could certainly see where he's coming from there because I thought they played better. Um, they're kind of going to be getting out of the murderer's row part of their schedule now. Maybe could come up for air a little bit, and I think LCO is going to get right back on track for sure. Yeah, look, LCO played hard. EDY played hard. Just LCO had a couple more mistakes that they made, and they take the opening kickoff. They're driving down the field, have a good drive, put together a good drive. Then they get the fumble. Then the very next play, EDY just takes it to the house, kind of caught the Bulldogs. Her, uh, Coach Pokey after the game misaligned on defense a little yeah. bit, and they took advantage of it for the touchdown. But uh, Bulldogs kept fighting. They came back. They they scored, and uh, we talked about it. What, what was happening is that if Ed White in that second half can come and score before uh, the second quarter, and it was just uh, a little bit too much, but. Both teams played well, just a couple of more mistakes by the Bulldogs, but Bulldogs are fine. They, they're going to be fine the rest of the way. And, and what we saw, obviously we know LaRose uh, cutoff has some kids that are going to be big-time guys at South Lafouche. I liked the Vic Nair kid at quarterback for E.D. White as well. Um, I like the Dempster kid at fullback. Like we mentioned that a couple of times. Like that dude's going to be an E.D. White varsity player like real soon. Um, not this year, of course, but as a ninth or tenth grader, I could see him contributing. Buddy, what's going on? I, next I was getting, what is he doing next door? <laughs> I don't know what's going on next door. Our uh, our colleague, Mr. Miller, is extremely <laughs> fired up about something right now. Um, <laughs> he's throwing us off track. Either way, LCO gets an eleven to eight win over LCO. Also, last night in middle school action, I don't know the final score. I'll text Coach Wilson. I'm sure I'll get it by the end of the show. But we do know that Raceland got a victory over Sixth Ward. Tonight, um, Thibodeau Middle School will be playing Lockport. That's at Thibodeau High School. And tomorrow, in a game that you'll be able to hear right here on KLEB, Golden Medal will be taking on Bayou Blue. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. I don't know a whole lot about Bayou Blue. I know last year they were, were not very good and, and at times downright not competitive. But the one thing that I always said, is Bayou Blue, if, and I assume they have the same coaching staff as last year. They were extremely well coached. They had a bunch of guys there that were working hard, trying to get the kids better, including, and you, you may, be, may be surprised to hear this, including one Mr. Kelly McElroy, who's an assistant coach at Bayou Blue. I, I got their roster this morning, uh, thanks to Mr. Andre Adams, principal at Bayou Blue, sent it to me. And, and I looked at it, and I saw that. Yep, he, uh, he was working, I think, with the backs and the receivers last year. Um, so yeah, man, last year, look, they were behind eight ball. They were really young. They didn't you know have good results on the scoreboard, but you're going to be impressed tomorrow by how hard they coached those kids. And they opened up their season, getting a win against Lockport. Um, Casey, look I think, out. I think as the third former reporter in the area that's coaching, there's only one still standing, baby on middle school. So that means next year I'm going to be at golden meta helping Damien out. Well, possibly, but <laughs> I think it's three of them that, uh, I know. Oh, no, no, I'm not coach. We have one officiate. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Th th okay, so Chris is now teaching at Thibodeau Middle. I don't know that he's coaching, but I know he like helps out. Kelly is at Bayou Blue. Um, 
and then Kyle Carrier is, is an official. So three folks staying involved. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's crazy to think all of those gentlemen used to be at the same publication with Teddy, with Brent, and now they don't even they don't even do anything. No, they they it's may crazy. hire you next year to run the clock or something. No comment. Yeah. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> I could have said something that wouldn't have been nice, but my mom taught me if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say. Take anything a commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Let's get a commercial break when we get back. We'll talk about some things happening in the world of high school. We had some interesting volleyball results yesterday. I'll give you those, and then we'll talk about week five. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. Become a part of something bigger and join the team. We're currently hiring for drivers, warehousemen, riggers, crane operators, and forklift operators to work out of Port Fouchon. So apply now at danos.com or call 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. 3T Oil Change is an efficient quick loop service that offers oil changes for gas and diesel engines, brake tags, tire sales and services, engine and cabin air filters, bulb replacement and wiper blades with the convenience of a drive through No appointment necessary. 3T Oil Change on Main Street and Cutoff. Call 798-7401. Proud supporter of South LaFouche Sports. 3T Oil Change says, Go Tarpons! Time is money. Don't waste both running around looking for filters, batteries, and belt sand related items. Fleet Supply Warehouse delivers. Fleet Supply offers daily scheduled delivery, including Bayou Lafouche, New Orleans, Morgan City, New Iberia, Lafayette, Thibodeau, Baton Rouge, the North Shore, plus the River Parishes, too. Automotive, lawn equipment, agricultural, marine, or industrial. Fleet Supply Warehouse. 985-868-0430. Venture Boulevard, Homa. Hello, friends and family. Taylor Griffin here, back again to talk about Dufresne Building Materials. Did you know that we have a new updated online order system called Dufresne Easy Buy? Come see us at dufresnelumber.com to check it out and get you started with a free quote. We now have eight convenient locations to serve you, which include Cutoff, Thibodeau, Luling, Bell Chase, Araby, Slidell, Gulfport, and Grand Isle. And no matter how big we grow as a company, we promise to keep that local family business feel and welcome you with a smile. So come give the local guys a try and experience the Dufresne difference. Bonjour, mes amis. This is Brent with Etouffee Cutoff. Are you looking for that authentic Cajun cuisine like Grandma used to make? We have it right here at Etouffee. We're located at 15741 East Main in Cutoff, Louisiana, the corner of Highway 308 and East 67th Street. Hi, I'm Parker Collins. Hi, I'm Madison Carly. I'm E I A Two Bay. Cutoff, located at one five seven four one East Main Street, Cutoff, Louisiana. I'm like the water when you sip, rolled in that night. Some tea swizzle. Taylor Swift rocking out here on play by play. We're Swifty. We do like Taylor Swift. Tell you, I uh, Abby, who works, you know, with this and is a great photographer. She told me, she told me years ago, just Claire Taylor Swift's uh, incredible. You should, you should get on board. I was like, nah, come on now. She's a, she's a girly musician. No, I'm, I'm a Swifty now. And, and you on board? And so is Travis Kelsey, man. Apparently, um, she was at the Chiefs game. Apparently, they are now an item. Um, 
But here's the thing. Most of Taylor Swift's songs are about breakups, so she doesn't usually stay with one for very long. <laughs> that might not be a good thing for Mr. Kelsey. But you guys are not um, wanting me to be talking about Hollywood gossip. You're wanting me to be talking about sports. Yesterday in volleyball, we had some interesting results, and we'll give them to you here. Central Catholic of Morgan City gets a straight set win over Vermilion Catholic. Good on the Lady Eagles. You know what? I want to shout something out here for a second. Um, <clears throat> I know that, excuse me, I know that we have a big down the bayou listening audience. Uh, hell, we got people that listen every day um, because I see them around and they, you know, they ask me about things that are said on the show. I know now that we're starting to upload back into the cloud, people are going to be able to listen, you know, coming back home from work and everything. We've got a big audience there. But with that having been said, we have a really large contingent of folks that listen to us in the Morgan City area. Um, a lot of the Central Catholic folks listen to us because they say, hey, man, thanks so much for including us in the Bayou region. We always try to keep people updated on what's happening out there. Um, so to Coach Case and our little Central Catholic family, thanks so much for being part of our show. We certainly appreciate you guys listening every day. Covenant Christian gets a straight set win over White Castle. CCA, of course, volleyball-wise, is coached now by Coach Hamner. A uh, longtime Terrebonne High School guy, great volleyball coach. Um, boy, has anyone had a better offseason in terms of hiring coaches than Covenant Christian? You get Jesse Turner and Craig Hamner in the same offseason. Like that's, that's good work there. Homa Christian School gets a straight set win over Patterson, so good win for them. Uh, let's see. We go down the list to Division Three, and we could tell you that Lutcher defeated Santamont 25-11, 25-13, and 25-17. Morgan City defeats Nish in straight sets. Um, we go to Division Two. Ellender and Centerville played, no score reported. Assumption beat East Ascension. Or excuse me, East Ascension, rather. My apologies. East Ascension beat Assumption in four sets. If you're beating Assumption, that tells me East Ascension is probably really damn good. Uh, Warren Easton defeats East St. John in straight sets. So a good win for Warren Easton over East St. John. South Lafouche gets a four-set victory over Thibodeau. Uh, they lose the second set, but then battle back and win a couple of hard-fought sets. Central Lafouche gets a win over South Terrebonne in straight sets yesterday. Good on the Lady Trojans. Getting a win there. Um... Let's see, Destrahan beat St. Martin's Episcopal yesterday. H.L. Bourgeois played Thomas Jefferson, no score reported. Mount Carmel defeats Hanville. If I had to guess, something tells me Mount Carmel's probably really, really dominant, um, just knowing the history of the school. And that's our local volleyball scoreboard. Now, partner, you tell me that you've got some cross-country results that you'd like to share. I do. Let me uh, pull it up real quick. Thanks to uh, Coach Eric Zach. Sending me that information this morning. Let's see what we have. Here we are. Southfoot Cross Country Varsity Boys placed first at the Thibodeau High School Invitational wow. last weekend with 46 points. Hell yeah. Top runners, Josh Gidry, third place, finished with 17 minutes, 58 seconds. Kevin Gidry was seventh overall. He had a personal best of 18 minutes, 58 seconds. 11th place, Gavin Kiger. 12th place was August Otan. 13th place was John Errington. 14th place was Bo Guidry. 17th place, Hunter Lagarde. 21st place was Dax Guidry. JV Boys, 2nd place was Kobe Boudreaux. 3rd place was Juan Cuz. 4th place was Corbin Mallard. 5th place was Matthew Tran. Sixth place, Luke Cherami. 
Seventh place, Andrew Cordova. JV Girls, second place was Bailey Lede. Third place, Jalen Dewey. And fourth place was Estrella Rivera. This Saturday on September 30th, the team will be running at the Nichols State Inv- Invitational. Awesome, man. That's really cool. Happy to hear that. Um, man, look, I, I know cross country is a little more than three miles, so to hear those times, like 17 minutes, like, dude, that's that's almost sprinting the whole three miles. That, that's really, really good work. Um, some attaboys, or I guess an girl, goes to a young lady from Thibodeau Middle School, um, Miss Emery Ingram, who was named to a uh, who received an invite rather one of just 60 players in the middle school level around the country to a prestigious youth basketball camp in North Carolina. Emery is a seventh grader at Thibodeau Middle School. She started as a sixth grader last year and had a great season. So being considered as one of the top middle school players in the country gets a successful invite to the um, girls youth basketball circuit cream of the crop camp. And apparently there are going to be a bunch of scouts and everything there watching. So congrats to Emmy, man. Emmy's a really good kid. I know the family. Um, it's actually Abby's niece. Um, know the dad Carlton and, you know, it's good people and I uh, look forward to watching Emmy play her seventh grade season at Thibodeau middle school. And you know, what's crazy in a week and a half to two weeks is the start of basketball season. Yeah. LSU men and women started yesterday, um, had their practices and everything like that. And, uh, it's crazy to think, you know, I, I was um, I was talking to uh, someone the other day, and they were asking me. They said, "Yeah, what's basketball looking like?" And in my head, I'm thinking, like, "Why the hell are you asking me about?" This? But then, no, you realize, like, yeah. it's almost yeah. October. Like, it is something that we got to start thinking about. Uh, so, kudos to Emmy, and kudos to the cross country folks. Kudos to all the volleyball folks. Um, this weekend, we've got South Lafouche traveling to take on Lutcher. Of course, we've been breaking down that matchup throughout the course of the weekend. Um, but I think that we've also got some really intriguing matchups as well um, around the area. I'm going to be curious to see how Vanderbilt Catholic handles St. Charles Catholic. St. Charles Catholic is so damn good. It's it's, it's a machine, man. They uh, Every year, year in and year out. Um, Central Lafouche played close last week with Franklin, a Franklin team that's probably better than what people realize. Can they run with Terrebonne? I don't know. Uh, that remains to be seen. They're probably the underdogs. But the big one in 5A that I'm looking at, man, is East St. John hosting Hanville. We say Hanville is down. And we mean that in the most respectful way possible because we're used to Hanville going 9-1 and one or 8-2 and two every year. They're 1-3. and three. They've lost to Newman, Mandeville, Destran. No shame in that. They beat North, beat North Shore. If East St. John puts it on Hanville and gets like a decisive 30-point win, there are some teams from the Bayou, namely Thibodeau, namely Terrebonne, who would probably be then looking at that and saying, hey, uh, we can maybe go to the river and get ourselves a win this year. Um, that's going to be a fun result. I want to see if Hanville could play a little closer. Because what we're going to find out, we're going to find out if Destrahan's the clear favorite or not. Destrahan beat Hanville 47-11. If East St. John doesn't do something similar, who knows? If they do do something similar, then maybe we got to start considering them one of the favorites in the 5A district as well. And we say in Hauntville's down, but look at their schedule. Relative to what we're used to. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's not, they have a tough schedule. So, uh, but in the past, that tough schedule, they were winning some of these games. I was games. about to say, they would, they would have a tough schedule right. and they'd still go 8 they would, two. Yeah. So, but they, they are a little down. But again, tough schedule. Uh, I'm looking for East St. John to just continue continue rolling this Friday. B, I got a a note the other day. Um, no, never mind. You're not you're not going to be familiar with it. I was thinking that you came last year with me, but it, it was Stan. 
Um, do you want to go hang out with uh with uh, Shane Trosclair real soon? Yeah, why not? Look, we've got invited, and it's still a little ways away. But Saturday, November fourth, Thibodeau High School is hosting their annual fundraiser and cornhole tournament over at the Chack Bay Fairgrounds. Stan and I went last year; it was awesome. And they want us to go do the sports corner from uh, from the fairgrounds in Chack Bay. You in Saturday, November fourth? In. Yeah, that'll be a lot of fun. Um, we thank them so much for that invite. Um, and bro, if if you're a merchandise collector, and I'm speaking to you, and then also to the whole listening audience. Last year, they had pictures autographed by Bo Jackson and Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase. and uh, Because a lot of people don't realize Shane's brother, that's what he does for a living. He's like a memorabilia collector and dealer and like you know sells stuff like that. So Shane has the ends on getting some cool stuff, and there's going to be a whole lot of cool stuff out there. And it's going to be, of course, a great Cornell tournament. And here's the thing I know about a Shane Trosclair event. We're not going to leave hungry. I promise you that. <laughs> We're not going to leave hungry. Um, I say all that to say Shane and Thibodeau were playing E.D. White on Friday. Um, last year's game between Thibodeau and E.D. White was closer than what the score indicated. Thibodeau drove the ball throughout the course of the game, and they would get close and they wouldn't score. I'm curious to see, because Thibodeau defensively has been good this year, with the exception of the East St. John game. If they could stop the run... Will they be able to be athletic enough to try to keep the, 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 the cover on the defense and keep LaFon in check? Thibodeau's at home. They absolutely have to have it, but they're facing the ultimate Goliath in the area. I'm curious to see if they could run with E.D. White for four quarters and make that one a good ball game. Yeah, it's, it's going to be, a, a, I think, a tough challenge for Thibodeau, but look, Thibodeau's not a bad football team. We've seen that them play already. Um if they can control the football and play solid defense, I think they will have a shot at the end, but uh, they're going up against a, a powerhouse. E.D. White puts all their games on YouTube. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to see any of their games yet this year, but I watched the last one against Woodlawn. And their offense is just a machine. That The way that they're running that option, you could tell Sternfels is a fourth-year starter. He makes the right read every time. And there's no hesitation. They run it hard. Everything's crisp. The angles are crisp. Their offense is a machine. Their defense is getting better. Um, now, Kyle will come on and tell you, hey, man, Division Two is loaded and there's so many good teams. And, and he's not wrong, but I promise you there are other teams around the state who are looking at Division Two and are saying, hey, I don't want to play D. White either. So they're one of the teams that's on that list. Division Two Select features St. Thomas Moore, Lafayette Christian, um, John F. Kennedy, De La Salle, Vanderbilt. Shaw, who's much improved, Evangel, who's much improved. Um, but you got to throw E.D. White in contention as well, man, because they're 4-0 and they really haven't been challenged. And, Casey, let me change the subject. Well, still football a little yeah, bit, but LHSA. Uh, we're starting week five games tomorrow. How long will the LHSA let this thing go about not – Having a plan in place. Do you have a beat button? Or, <laughs> or I guess their plan in place is to revert back the way it was before, but nothing set in stone. I guess. But, but I, would that mean? And look, there's still even with that, there's still things we got to figure out. Okay, if it goes back to what it was before, that was a 32 team bracket. So will it be a 32 team bracket? We don't know. Okay, so let, all right, we're going back to how it was before. 
how it was before South Wooster getting points for playing 5A schools. Are they getting those again? They should. But we don't know definitively. That, so right. that's why I'm reading this. I'm reading Hunter Bauer's numbers here, and <clears throat> they've got South Lafouche number 39 and 4A, and that's with the, the private schools included. And there there are several, by the way. So they would move up about 10 spots if you took all those schools out. I mean, we're talking St. Thomas More, Lafayette Christian, um, De La Salle, Turlings, Vanderbilt, Shaw. I mean, that's, that's Evangel. That's seven, eight schools just off the top of my head. Um but we don't know if any of these scores or numbers or anything are accurate because we don't know the the system. We don't know how we're calculating. We don't know, like, and, and I get it. It's the same for everybody. But at the end of the day, if it's week nine or week ten, I would like to know what I got to do to get in. Now, do you know there is a, another option out there? I don't think it's for this year. It may be brought up in January. But I heard one coach speak, and he was under the impression that it would be brought up now. And that is to bring everyone back together. Oh, that's what that's what the chief wants. That's what Big Mustache in Baton Rouge wants. That's what he's always wanted. Um, but how? Look, the last time you voted on this, two thirds of your principals said that's not what they wanted. How would you, how would you then, without a principal vote, say, all right, well, screw y'all, we're doing it anyway? Well, I think what they're trying to do, they brought it up, but in the entire association, had to be a two thirds. Now, I think it's going to be brought up each class. So, it just has to be a simple majority. doesn't have to be two-thirds. So, I think that's their way of going back and, and getting everyone to come back together. You told me at the end of the last segment, if I don't have anything nice to say, to take a commercial. (laughs) So it's time to take a commercial. We're going to go to BJ Young in the next segment. We'll be right back here on KLEB. Celebrating 75 years in business, Danos has been setting the standard for generations. How about becoming a part of something bigger and join the team? We're currently hiring for welders, fitters, and blaster painters to work at our fabrication yard in LaRose. You can apply now at www.danos.com or call us at 1-833-GO-DANOS. Great jobs, great people. That's Danos. Absolute Fitness wants to welcome our community to come back and check us out. You'll discover an amazing environment and a friendly and welcoming staff at Absolute Fitness. We have a 12,000 square foot facility with all new top-of-the-line equipment, new saunas, an amazing smoothie bar, personal trainers, and much, much more. Absolute Fitness offers many types of very competitive memberships along with a dual membership with our proud partner, CrossFit Brackish. Absolute Fitness at 17092 West Main Street, Galliano. Energize your business with Bayou Black Electric Supply in Homa. When you're elbow deep in a job, the last thing you need is to lose time and money fetching electrical supplies. Bayou Black Electric will deliver your items to the job site. There's daily scheduled service throughout South Louisiana, Lafouche, Terrebonne, Morgan City, New Iberia, and Lafayette. Plus the river parishes too. If you need parts, call Bayou Black Electric Supply. 985-223-8807. Highway 311 in Homa. Home Health Services in South LaFouche are vital right now. Look no further than Lady of the Sea Home Health for the sick, the elderly, and the homebound. Our caring staff makes each day a little brighter, a little better. With quality health care and warm, genuine support, you and your loved ones are the most comfortable, content, and independent in your own home. 
Speak to your physician today about home health services from Lady of the Sea. Call 985-632-6900 for more information. Quality health care locally for you. All right, so we go to the phone lines for the first time today. I know if I asked Brian this question, he wouldn't know. So I'm going to ask you, BJ, do you know what whose theme song that was that we just played here on the air? I, I, didn't, I didn't hear it. I didn't hear it. The uh, thing I heard was when you say we had a call. Yeah. All right, sounds good. I'll give you a pass. We were playing a little Hulk Hogan music. I know my, my colleague here to my right is the lost That was Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah, all right. Well, anyway, we got BJ Young on the line. BJ, good morning, man. How are we doing today? Doing well, man, y'all. Good. Um, you guys are three and one, coming off of a, a hard fought victory against South Terrebonne. Watched you practice a little bit yesterday, getting ready to take on Lutcher. Uh, what's the week been like over in Tarpenland, brother? <laughs> yeah, we had a good week. I thought, uh, you know, we came out Monday. Uh, you know, Monday's a heavy mental day. Uh, you still try to get, you know, some physicality in. I thought we had a good Monday and then carried it over into Tuesday. You know, it's, uh, Wednesday's kind of your last work day of the week. So, Trying to cap it off, you know, with, with a more up-tempo, high-intensity day-to-day leading until, you know, you walk through tomorrow. Uh, Dwayne came on the show yesterday. Uh, Dwayne Jenkins, that is, with Letcher, came on the show yesterday, and he told us, he said, man, look, my defense is, is ridiculous. You know, nine returning starters, but my offense is a little bit of a work in progress. I got a bunch of sophomores and freshmen on the offensive line. Uh, you guys have a really good defensive line. How do you guys maybe apply some pressure and then kind of try to disrupt their timing and take advantage of that young line? Yeah, look, it, it, they're young, but they, they're aggressive and, and they they big they, they're bigger kids. You know, um, look, it's the luxury that everybody expects. You know, if you come to the game, it's going to be the same team that you expect or what you would expect to see. Just a just a, a gritty group, um, big kids that can run, uh, super physical. Uh, it's gonna be a, it's a tough matchup, uh, but our kids are up for it, and uh, you know that they, they're looking forward to Friday to be able to go and, and play them. You know our, our D line uh, or the defensive box has been playing well all year. You know, we, like we said, you know Monday night we try not to look too much into into the decal. You know, we kind of take them for who they are. Um, you know, with the scouting reports and stuff, and you know hope to carry. You know, the defense of our defense, you know, hopefully carrying in this week to continue to play well and then uh, keep us in the game and give us a chance to win it at the end. I'm going to ask you about a kid that, you know, is a little bit of a surprise to me because, man, look, I follow middle school ball in the area and I don't even re- really remember this kid much at the middle school level. This Haven Green is coming up. He's a young guy, but boy, he, he's always by the ball. He's making plays. It's a kid that, like, most of the kids this age, I either coached him in Biddy or watched him grow up or whatever. But I don't remember seeing him play in you know too much sports growing up. But boy, he's having a big old impact on your football team, isn't he? Yeah, he's playing well. You know, he's getting better every week. Uh, sophomore kid, you know, he's getting better every week. You know, if you saw him just in street clothes, he's a big kid. You know, he's he's one of the bigger ones we got. He's put together. He works his butt off. He don't say much. Now he's a man of few words. It's hard to get get anything out of him. But uh, you know, he's very coachable. He takes coaching. You can see him trying to implement what, what you're telling him, and uh, he's gotten better every week. It's uh, you know, it, like we said, we got we got seniors in good spots, and and and, and our seniors are really good leaders. So, 
you know, trying that you see them trying to help them young guys through that learning curve and like, you know, maybe trying to give them some things that help them. So he's uh he, he, he takes, you know, them telling him stuff and then he takes us correcting him and he's making the most of it. He's having a good season so far. We're at the midway point. Crazy to, crazy to think that we're already at the midway point, but I'm going to actually give us a progress report. What's the thing you like the most about your team, and what's the thing that you hope gets better in the second half? Yeah, I feel like we're running the ball and stopping the run, you know, and that, that's a recipe uh, for success. You know, I feel like we're able to do those things, control the line of scrimmage, and and uh, and, and, and that helps you win games. The deal, you know, when you're doing that, though, sometimes the games can be a little closer. Um, because because you're controlling the ball and, and maybe not as explosive of plays, so to say. But, um, you know, obviously me being a quarterback, I like to see us be able to throw the ball a little better offensively. You know, um, we threw the ball well against Central, uh, had a few big plays against St. Edmund, but just more consistency in the passing game I like to see. And, um, you know, defensively, if you had to pick one, it's just making the plays when they're there. You know, we're dropping a lot of interceptions right now, which, you know, if you win in that turnover battle, that, that helps you win the game, you know, nine times out of ten. And uh, so I would say those two things, man. I think the hidden yardage stuff we're doing pretty well. You know, our average of where we're starting, you know, the first play of a drive versus where our opponent's starting the first play of a drive is, you know, we went in, we went in those, those type of scenario deals. And, you know, we went in the turnover battle. So that's got a lot to do with the success, man. I just think if we clean up a few of the deals and, you know, catch a few more interceptions, get a few more turnovers, and uh, be more consistent in the passing game, you know, the sky's the limit. Dwayne told us, he said, hey, look, man, on special teams, we're not we're not going to sugarcoat it. We're going to try to block some kicks. South Terrebonne almost blocked the punter, too, on Friday. How do you guys speed up that operation, knowing that the Bulldogs are going to be on attack? Yeah, look, I'm going to tell you, when you when you watch it, they, Lutch is setting up a wall for a return, and, and number four is blocking punts. Um, pray. You know, you, you pray a lot this week that, that he doesn't get one. You know, we got we got some, some deals in to where, you know, we're really going to focus on him and try to take him all, out of the equation, uh, which is hard to do. I mean, he, he's he's a legit football player. He's, from what I understand, he's even a better baseball player. So um, he, he makes a bunch of plays. Uh, if you kick it to the second level or the, the bad guys on the kickoff return team, you, you need to – say a few prayers really quickly while they're catching it because them dudes can kill a rabbit with a hammer. So, um, look, I think special teams, we we have to really be on it this week because uh, this is a week where, where you can look up and kind of be in the game and a few special teams mishaps and you look and you're down 28 like in the blink of an eye just because they got dudes all over who, who are just playmakers, you know. Um, so, I don't know. I've been doing a lot of praying. I know that, and then we actually we obviously got some things in the scheme to kind of take, you know, guys who are they counting on, like they send 52 right at the, the the punt wedge, where if you don't buckle your chin strap, you gonna you gonna be in for a long night because he's bringing he's bringing the wood. There's no doubt. So you got to try to you know nullify him and get him before he gets going. And we got four highlighted and starred and circled, so we're trying to take him off of the equation to be able to block one and. Obviously, you carry some things into the game to kind of help you get your success. Not, you know, you try not to get too much away, but um, they're good, man. Like you said, there's no sugar coating. I'm not sure they're good. Look, man, um, one of the things that some of my Vanderbilt friends were telling me is that, like, you could get some yards on these guys, but the problem is that, you know, your hole that you open up that usually would be a 20 or 25 yard gain, 
they're so quick to react that it turns into a six or seven yard gain and they just don't give up any big plays. So how important knowing that is it that you guys stay ahead of the chains on Friday night? Yeah, look, that's coming from Vanderbilt, who's probably got the best running back in the state, you know. Um, so if he, if it looks like he's about to get 25 yards and he only gets eight, that's pop on, right? So he, um, but I, I do like some things, man. We got some things in that, that I think can give us a chance to move the ball and finish, you know, finish tries and be able to put some points on the board. Um, I think this week as well, you know, trying not to get into the to the have to outscore him kind of mindset and just focus on, you know, field position and, and, and making them, you know, trying to win the hidden yardage stuff and be sound on special teams and, and control and control the, the game. I think, um, you know, that, that can maybe put a little, you know, not warranted pressure on them to try to maybe put it out of reach and maybe they, we can force some errors that way, I think. Um, but, look, we got some things in this week, man, that, that, I, that I really like, that I feel really good about, that I think can give us a chance uh, to win the game uh, Friday night. For sure, brother. Look, man, last question. Um, your your middle school, not middle school, your junior varsity and ninth grade teams are playing hard and are competing. And, you know, I was hearing at the quarterback club meeting, you know, uh, well, and, and also Chandler says it every Friday, you know, man, the cupboard's not bare. You guys have some younger kids in the program that are doing some things and you've had a chance to see them play. I'm sure there are a couple of guys out there that you're saying, hey, man, in a year or two from now, I can't wait to have these guys on Friday nights. Yeah, the, the kind of trend we're in right now is, you know, once you get to that tenth grade year, you know a lot. Of, you know a lot of programs around the state, man. You kind of you kind of growing up your freshman and sophomore year. You know, I, I think back to when I was at Homeville when I when I was at EA, you had to be like super special, um, like Kuka Williams special, right? To play like as a freshman or a sophomore because they just had dudes in a in a, an abundance, you know. But over here, you kind of got to grow up on the run and quickly, you know. Um, it's not out the ordinary if you're a Tarpon fan to show up and there's freshmen and sophomores out there playing, you know. But it's like the laugh now, cry later stuff. You know, last year was not very good. I think everyone can agree on that. But a lot of young kids out there. And then this year, all of a sudden, you look up and you're sitting at three and one going into week five, you know. Um, it's just a lot to do with them kids having to grow up quick, stepping in there as freshmen and kind of taking their lick early. So when they get in there that sophomore year, they almost sort of say like a junior now, you know, because they got a year of experience. So. Um, I think guys being able to get out there, get under the lights, it helps. And look, them freshmen, man, you know, uh, next year, I'm expecting them next year to be able to step up and help. I mean, we need them to, you know. Uh, and like you said, I think Chandler's right. They got a lot of kids at that level right now, at that freshman level, who can uh, who can step in and help, you know, um, immediately starting probably next year. One more question for you, and if you can't comment on this, I completely understand. There was a very, very good freshman football player who did not enroll at South Lafouche initially, but who apparently is back on campus. Um, are you guys attempting to get him back into the football program, or can you not talk about that right now? Yeah, no. It's I mean, I, if you don't know it, it's, it's Jean-Eric Bizier. He didn't come off the jump, and now, but he is back in school. Um, he's he's back on campus. I think it was only maybe week two or three. He's been back. Um, He's on a team, but he he got a hamstring deal, but um, he won't be playing this year. You know, he he he'll practice and stuff, but he he won't play. Um, I want to say he's ineligible, man. I'm almost positive. I'd have to check with Coach Galjor, but he's kind of been in and out because he's, he's he's in therapy right now for a hamstring. So um, he he's kind of bouncing in and out. He's helping us film and practice uh, when he's there. He's helping out with balls or filming. Um, you know he's never he didn't put anything on yet just because 
like I said, he can't. He physically can't get out there and, and, and practice. But um, yeah, he's back. He's pretty now. He, he's a big old boy. He got some. Uh, he got some size on him. Um, and the little bit I've interacted with him, you know, over the course of I guess two weeks in the hall, and seems like a really good kid, man. So we're excited to get him back. Um, you know, I know that was the one we, we lost. We didn't lose. I think that's the only one we lost. So he's back. So that's the key, right? You got to keep them kids who are supposed to be home, home, you know. Um, so they're all here and look forward to continue that trend. Good deal, man. Hey, look, thanks for the transparency there. I know it's a little bit of a dicey subject. Thanks so much for the time, man. All right, man. Thank you all. That's BJ Young. We appreciate his honesty, man. Look, the news travels fast in the community. I've been asked about it several times. Everybody knows that he's back. Um, not going to be able to be a part of it this year, but let me tell you something. He's going to be a part of it next year. <laughs> that's, that's a kid that could play. Yeah, he's ineligible for football this year. I think he uh, played in a scrimmage when he was at the school he transferred to. So uh, he's got to sit out the rest of this year. Yeah, so we look forward to big things in the future. And, uh, look, I appreciate BJ uh, being open. Because it would have been very easy to say, yeah, I don't want to talk about it. But we appreciate his candor. Um, hopefully some of his prayers get answered, right? <laughs> he was doing a lot of praying this week. That three times he mentioned <laughs> Well, so we'll see if that pays off. That just goes to show the quality of opponent that you got. Uh, but we look forward to, to being out there Friday. Let's catch a break when we get back. We've got some mailbag. Uh, we've got some questions that will get answered our Wednesday mailbag coming up right after this break on KLEB. We'll be right back. Hi, my name is Daniel Lorraine, candidate for re-election for Lafouche Parish Councilman District 9. I'm presently retired and have the knowledge the experience, and the desire to keep serving the people of South Lafouche. Let me continue to be the voice of South Lafouche. On October the 14th, I would appreciate your vote and support. Number 82, God bless, paid for by the Daniel Lorraine Campaign Fund. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the confident and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Maritime Safety Solutions, LLC, specializes in portable fire extinguisher sales, inspection, and service. They provide tests of CO2 fire suppression, NOVEC systems, fire detection systems, water mist systems, and safety relief valves on marine vessels. Conveniently located minutes away from Port Fouchon. Our service technicians have a dependable reputation by outstanding service to the marine industry. Stop by Maritime Safety Solutions, LLC, 14626 West Main Street, Cutoff, or call 985-632-7233. At Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center, we're improving the health and well-being of the region one person at a time. And this means more tea times, more play time, more time to do good, more fast time, and more once upon a time. Isn't it time you started living your best life? Change starts here at Thibodeau Regional Wellness Center. Come on! Yeah! If you want it all back, jump to your feet right now! Oh! For the king of separate violence, for the violent... Take it! Take it! By force! 
Ty Tribbett rocking out some gospel music here on Play by Play. As we uh, go to the mailbag, man, where's my questions? I just had my questions. Don't tell me that I lost my list of questions. I'm giving you time to queue up the... Glad, I, glad you did. If you um, too many buttons. Yeah, look, if you got a question for me, I'm at Casey underscore Justclair on Twitter, JustClairCasey at gmail.com. I'm Casey Justclair on Facebook. We're KLEB Radio on Facebook or Twitter. Or uh, give me a text if you got my number. If you don't have my number, you ain't about to get it. Uh, <laughs> oh. First question. Hey, Casey. Would you consider starting Taysom Hill at quarterback over Jameis Winston, being that we have seen the Jameis Winston experiment continually fail? Um, well, I could argue that we've also seen the Taysom Hill experiment continually fail also. So, no, I would start Jameis Winston. I would do more of the Taysom Hill running stuff. But, look, we talked about this yesterday. You can't, like, here's the thing. We know this. You and I know this. We talked about it yesterday. A lot of fans assume that because Taysom Hill is just like our fourth or fifth year player, that that's like a 25-year-old dude. No, that's a dude who played six years at BYU and then did like a Mormon retreat or something and had to miss like, he's 33. He's one of the oldest guys on the team. You start giving a 33-year-old 20 carries a game, it's going to be the last 20 carries that you give him during that season. Um, so I would do a little more of that stuff, but you got to start Jameis Winston. Now the real conversation becomes, um, and, and I don't think it's going to come to this, but I think Carr is going to be back by the time this happens, <laughs> but let's, let's just assume for a second that the car injury would have been worse than what we realized or that he would have maybe re aggravated his injury or whatever. And the team started to lose games with Winston. The real dilemma to me would have been. When Hayner gets back and is actually able to pee in a cup cleanly again, would you have given him a shot over Jameis Winston? But Carr should be back by that time. He's still got three games left on his suspension. I think the Saints signed a quarterback yesterday. I believe A guy that was on their practice squad last year. They lost him, I think, to possibly Carolina, and they re-signed him off of Carolina's practice squad. I think you're right. Let me see. I'll get that name for you. But anyway, next question on the list. Will LSU win this weekend at Ole Miss? Um, Hope not. (laughs) Who said? (laughs) Um, God. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Um, I think that they'll win. I mean, you could tell by the way I'm saying it that it's not all that convincing. At the end of the day, it comes down to this. If it's the fourth quarter and it's close, do I trust Jaden Daniels or Jackson Dart to win it? And I know the answer to that. I trust Jaden Daniels to win it and make plays late far more than I trust Jackson Dart. My man got a pop-up ad. It just came up. Um, LSU is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. I think they'll go on the road and win. I think they'll leave us sweating. I think it'll be close. But, yeah, what the hell, LSU. Let's face it, LSU is the better team. Yeah. They are. Hey, Casey! Oh, you're going to like this one. A listener wants to know, is LSU the best team in Louisiana this season? America. Look, dude, here's the thing. If you're a Tulane fan, and obviously it's a Tulane fan asking this question because there's nobody besides a Tulane fan that'd be wondering that. Um, In one game, 
Could Tulane beat LSU? Could Tulane beat Ole Miss? Could Tulane beat one of those types of teams in one game? Yeah. Yeah, they could. They, they should have beat Ole Miss a couple weeks ago. But if Tulane were axed to play Ole Miss, then Alabama the next week, then at Auburn, then Texas A&M, then Arkansas, they wouldn't have the depth to survive that, right? And nor should they. They're an American Athletic Conference school. They don't have the same recruiting resources and budget. But in any, in any one game, yeah. Yeah, they could. I wouldn't favor them. I would pick LSU to beat them heads up. But if you told me, hey, LSU's playing Tulane and Tulane gets an upset, I wouldn't you know, be laughing at the person who said that in one game. But if you put them in the SEC, they would break down. I mean, I think that's just, look, you're the Tulane guy. Like, I'm being realistic about that, right? I mean, like, that's, that's, that's fair, right? I think you are right now if you put Tulane in LSU's schedule. They don't have the same record as yeah. It's, LSU. it's every week, you know. It's it's the same thing I used to always say about Boise State. Yeah, they could go and beat you in a bowl when they have a month to prepare. But if they had to do it every single week after week after week, they couldn't. Uh, and I think it's the same. And look, that's not a knock against Tulane, by the way. They're recruiting two and three star players. LSU's recruiting four and five star players. That's what should happen. The fact that they're even in discussion of maybe being better just goes to show how far that they've come. No, you didn't let me finish. They wouldn't have the same record because Tulane would be undefeated. Oh, no, yeah. <laughs> no, okay, no. Uh, but you're right. I mean, they, they couldn't <coughs> adapt to compete yeah. week in and week out. That's just right now. But uh, in a game, sure. Yeah, that, that's just being objective. Next question. Oh, Billy Joe, where are you? How good are the Saints really? I don't think very good at all. Um, I think here's what here's what I think. I think you've got a really good defense, one of the top five to top six or seven defenses in the entire NFL. Over time, will 30-plus-year-old DeMario Davis and 30-plus-year-old Cam Jordan continue to play at this level through 17 games? Remains to be seen. If there's any sort of drop-off at all, that defense is going to start to hurt. If there's any sort of injuries at all, that defense is going to start to hurt. We saw it in the fourth quarter against Green Bay. Two starters out in the secondary. They were making plays down the field, and they were starting to have some success throwing it. I just don't trust a team that doesn't have a good offensive line, and right now New Orleans does not. Are they the best team in the NFC South? Maybe. Are they going to make the playoffs? Maybe. I would lean towards saying yes, but that's more my opinion of um, more my opinion of I think that their um, schedule sets up better than anything else, right? I think it's their schedule that is going to be the byproduct of them getting where they need to go. Yeah, look, the Saints can make the playoffs. They'd have to win their division. I don't think they'll have a, a good enough record at the end for a wild card if they don't win their division. So that just tells you kind of what type of team they have. Their offense is just not good enough right now. Next one. How good will the LSU men's basketball team be this year? Um, Improved, but I'm getting a little nervous about this Jalen Cook stuff. Jalen Cook is still not cleared. Um, Now, Coach Matt McMahon did say yesterday that they are, quote, extremely confident that by the time opening day rolls around, he's going to be cleared. Um, But that's your prize transfer. That's a kid that averaged 20 points a game last year. If you're without him, it's going to be a struggle. Now, when I say improved, I think fair, realistic expectations for the LSU men this year would be to go to the NIT. 
and maybe, just maybe, be that one of those low-end bubble teams that maybe sneaks into the NCAAs. But I think that they're going to be that team that's going to win six or seven SEC games, finish like 7-11, and 11, have a solid 18-14 and 14 season, make the NIT. And I think that, that that would be a good second year for Coach McMahon as he rebuilds. Yeah, for a second year, no doubt. And, and look, they're going to get better and better like they did last year. They got better and better as that season went on. Hey, Casey! Who are going to be our top local prep basketball teams? Um, could be a little bit of, obviously, the first one. I mean, Vanderbilt boys and girls are going to be ridiculous. We know that. Um, Terrebonne should still be good if, and it's a big if, if Kylan Billiot plays. Um, he's a signee to LSU, signing days in December or whatever. <clears throat> if he's out there, Terrebonne should be solid. If he's not, eh. Don't forget about the Bourgeois Braves. They should be much improved. Um, if CCA is able to get all of their guys cleared, look out. Because <laughs> they got a couple of key players from L in there last year. The, the one thing that I'll say, and boy, I really hope I'm not angering anybody in East Homa saying this. <laughs> I think the Ellender boys and girls are going to be down. I saw the Ellender girls over the summer. It wasn't pretty. They had just six or seven kids. It wasn't pretty. And Cornell came on over the summer and, and said openly, hey, if there's anybody in the area that wants to get back at us, this coming year is the year to do it. So they know they're rebuilding. Um, but, yeah, Terrebonne, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt's going to be ridiculous. Uh, boys and girls. Terrebonne boys. Um, You're missing one. Who am I missing? On paper, the oh, Central, Central Lafouche. Lafouche boys. Yes, yeah, Central Lafouche boys. Yeah, they're going to be much improved. I think Tony and them are going to be improved. Uh, Thibodeau was young last year. I think Thibodeau is going to be pretty solid. E.D. White, Nick Sinek has Carolina Adams back, the girls' side. They, it's good. There's going to be some parity. Let, let me rephrase that. There's going to be some parity in the middle, but Vanderbilt is going to clearly be at the top of the mountain, boys and girls. Yeah. Oh, boy. This thing is... Playing tricks. Hey, Casey! I like this question. If you can make any one sports trade right now, what would you do? I would trade Patrick Mahomes to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. <laughs> I would I would go ahead and get Patrick Mahomes to the Dallas Cowboys. Um as you know, hey, I think that'd be a little bit of an upgrade over Dak Prescott. Um I guess in the NBA, um I would try to set up maybe some sort of super team that were that Harden can maybe try to get a championship. But no, it's got to be something for a quarterback, man. I'd be getting either Josh Allen, well not Josh Allen because he's cursed, but Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow or so you know, you know what? I I'll, I'll say Joe Burrow just because I already like him as it is. I'm not a particularly huge fan of Mahomes. I'll say trade Joe Burrow to the Dallas Cowboys if I can make any trade right now. Hey, Casey. If Nick Saban retires, this offseason, like some are speculating that he might. Who do you think could replace him in Alabama? <clears throat> well, the name that's going to make you nauseated is a former Alabama player in Dabo Sweeney. I think that that would be someone that would be called. But the way the Dabo's handled the last couple of years, I don't know that that's something that I would want. Um, <clears throat> you've long said you thought Lane Kiffin would be in contention, but the more and more he goes seven and five and eight and four every year, that that might not be a realistic possibility. They're not getting Coach Prime, folks. I know a lot of folks have said, speculated, oh maybe Dion was, you know, Nick and Dion are friends. The guy that I look at, and I'm going to make sure I get the name right, Dan Lanning at Oregon, is a guy that stands out to me. 
in two seasons at Oregon. He led them to 10-3, and three, won the Holiday Bowl last year, and they're 4-0 right now. <clears throat> I like the energy that he has. He has SEC roots. He was a former Georgia defensive coordinator. And the reason why I think this might be possible, he was a graduate assistant under Nick Saban at Alabama in 2015. I think Nick is going to have some input once he retires and who replaces him. I could see him saying, hey, this was a bright guy when we had him in our building. I could see Dan Lanning of Oregon being someone that might potentially get that job this offseason if Nick were to retire. I'm just waiting to see if they would name like a coach in waiting possibly. Yeah. And, and bring – like I thought if um, Kiffin would have a, a above average year at Ole Miss, bring him in for coaching waiting and waiting. But uh, I don't think that's going to happen. I would love to see it be Tommy Reese, the Alabama offensive coordinator, but I think that would be an absolute disaster. But anyway, next question. Hey, Casey! This one has nothing to do with sports. You're on the road a lot, sir. What's your go-to fast food meal? I I had it last night. Um, I go to Sonic, and I get a number 16 which is the bacon, egg, and cheese sandwich with tots. They don't serve it on a bun. They serve it on toasted bread with butter. And I left the LCO game last night, said, hey, I'm starving. I was fired up as I, well, personal achievement that I'd rather not talk about here. You know what it is. Yes, sir. Um, And, yeah, that's my go-to fast food meal. But it's got to be tots, right? It it can't be french fries. It's got to be tater tots. Next one. Hey, Casey! How are you feeling, bud? We were worried about you. Feeling great. Um, getting better every day. Um, getting more comfortable doing stuff every day. You guys obviously could hear the difference. It's no more <coughs> no more of that every day. Um, so, yeah, thanks for the concern. Thanks for asking. Feeling better every day. Last question. Hey, Casey! Will Tiger Woods ever win another PGA Tour event? Let me see this. Let me let me go figure this out. Tiger Woods. Let me type it into YouTube. Not YouTube. Wikipedia. Tiger Woods is 47 years old. Um, when he's healthy, even with the foot issue, when he's healthy, he has proven he could still play at a high level. The problem is he's had so many back and leg surgeries and eye surgeries, and I think it's damaged goods. But he's still Tiger Woods. I'm going to say one more. I don't think he's going to win another major championship. I've given up on that. But I could see him playing at his own tournament or at Torrey Pines or one of those courses that he just has owned over the years, and I could see him putting it together for four days one more time and and maybe winning another event. But I, I here's the thing. Five, six years ago, coming off of the back injury, Tiger was damaged, but Tiger also was still the best player in the world. Now, even if he plays well, I don't know if he's the best player in the world anymore. And that's what makes it more difficult is that um, he could play his best and sometimes it still might not be good enough. So I'll reluctantly say yeah, but um, it's not with a lot of confidence. Actually, I have one more, my man. Uh, if, if you got the soundbite queued up, I have one more that I'm just seeing here. And if you don't have the soundbite queued up, it's okay. Give me a second. Roll mouse. <clears throat> hey, Casey! The last question comes from a listener who actually just sent it in during this segment. That's the reason why I wanted to um, make sure that we included it. Who do you got on Thursday Night Football, the Packers or the Lions? Um, that's a great question. The Packers are at home. 
which we saw on Sunday. They're they're pretty good there. Detroit is a team that could beat you on any given day. They beat Kansas City, blew out Atlanta. Um, I'll go Detroit um, because I think the Packers had to work really hard on Sunday against New Orleans. I think Detroit might have a little bit more in the tank after having an easier game against Atlanta. I'll go the Lions, but it's a true toss-up. And looking when you look at it in Vegas, Green Bay's a one-and-a-half-point underdog, so Vegas is telling you right there, hey, we don't know how this one's going to go. So I'll reluctantly go Detroit in that one. Sounds good. Lions. Let me ask you this. Let's assume for a second. I'm going to ask you a question. Hey, Brian. Um, if the Saints fire Dennis Allen, like let's say the season goes off the rails, the Saints are 6-11, and 7-10, don't make the playoffs. If they fire Dennis Allen, in my opinion, it's easy who your first call is. I would call Dan Campbell, try to get him out of Detroit. Would you like to have him as the head coach of your team? Yes. Yes. But, but look, he, he is a controversial figure. Some people think he's a buffoon. Some people think, he, think he's great. I He's fitting great in New Orleans. <laughs> I, I think that it would be a great fit. I think that, you know, I do think he makes some silly mistakes sometimes and, and kind of reacts with emotion sometimes, but... The guys will always want to play hard for him, and that's that's the one thing that in the NFL you can't teach. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I would that would probably be the first call that I would make. Now look, he's already got a head coaching position in Detroit. <laughs> I can maybe argue that Detroit's future situation is maybe even brighter than New Orleans is. So I don't know that yeah. he would leave. I don't think he would leave. Um, but I, I would definitely make the call for sure. Let's catch a break. When we get back out of the break, we'll talk a little college and pro. Uh, we got a couple of things to break down. We've got about 20 minutes left to spend with you all. It's play-by-play. We'll be right back after this. While inventory is growing, prices are dropping at Golden Motors. Come to Golden Motors and check out the new 2023 Chevrolet Silverado with the all-new technology and improved great fuel economy. Whether you're looking to tow your boat or camper or if it's just you for your daily commute, the comfort and towing capability is there for you. Check out the new 2023 Chevy Silverado at Golden Motors, 15101 Highway 3235 and Cutoff, The Back Road, 325-1000. Chevy, find new roads. Price is priority. Attention event managers, Joe's Septic Contractors has been there for you in New Orleans and the surrounding areas. Whether it's a construction site, fair or festival, let Joe's Septic Contractors help you determine how many potties and how much temporary fencing you may need for your next event. Visit joeseptic at viscom.net. That's joeseptic at viscom.net. Locations in Cutoff, Thibodeau, Fouchon, Abbeville, Reserve, and Odessa, Texas. Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems, your local power generator professionals, serving the entire Gulf Coast as your Kohler titanium dealer. We offer sales, service, installation, and maintenance on all major brands of residential, commercial, industrial, and marine generators. For the most trusted brands in the industry, Kohler, Generac, Briggs & Stratton, Cummins, Onan, and more, Gen Gators at Industrial Power Systems is the place for you. 152 North Hollywood Road in Homa and Highway 3235 in Galliano. At Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation, our mission is to help everyone be safer in and around water. Did you know drowning is the number one accidental cause of death in children under the age of four and the second leading cause of accidental death in children under the age of 14? Adolescents and adults are at greater risk of drowning in open water. Remember, drowning is preventable. Join Riley Johns Blue Boot Foundation. State Bank and Trust Company has provided Cajun banking served just the way you like it for now 70 years. 
State Bank offers a wide variety of modern conveniences without having to sacrifice that personal touch that we all know and love. So stop by today and get a taste of Cajun banking and be met by a smiling, familiar face who loves our area as much as you do. At State Bank and Trust Company, still standing strong after 70 years of loyal service to our community. It's Ram Power Days at Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Homa. Not only can you get a great deal on a Ram, but you can see their impressive lineup of new commercial trucks and vans. Southland Dodge has the perfect vehicle for your business with Ram's long-lasting new pickups of their efficient new Ram work vans. Choosing the right one should be easy. Whether you need a truck for work or home life, the Ram will do its job. Southland Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat, 6161 West Park Avenue in Homa. Here for you yesterday, today, and tomorrow. One of my favorite entrance things. You know what we got to do? I've said this on the air. I don't know if you ever heard me say it on the air. Probably so because. I don't listen much. but man, Every day when you used to be at school, we used to pipe in. Well, not every day. But no, I'm talking time. when I'm sitting here. Oh. <laughs> I've often said all of the bumper songs are based on either a close friend or family member or whatever. That one's based. My dad's huge ACDC fan. The Taylor Swift songs was Abby. Um, the Jack Johnson songs was my mom. You gotta put one. Put we're gonna we're gonna load one of your favorite songs into the rotation. Uh, Cause man, you're part of the team now. We gotta we gotta make sure that we get one of yours accounted for in there. So think of a song. I'll give it to Buddy. We'll get him to put it in the rotation. Oh boy. Um, big college football news um, today, and <clears throat> it involves Texas A&M. Their starting quarterback, who's he's a pretty good one, Connor Wegman, is out for the season. Oh. With a foot. Um, well, I'm sorry, broken bone in his foot. Wegman was playing at a high level so far this season. He had eight touchdowns, two interceptions, and trying to think of a way to say this without sounding like a complete jerk. We're obviously very upset that Connor Wegman is is out for the season, and we hope that he recovers well, and we hope that everything with his recovery is great. You never want to wish ill onto anyone. But boy, I'm gonna love watching Max Johnson get his ass kicked no. the rest of the season. <laughs> Max Johnson is the next man up, the former LSU quarterback. He is gonna be leading Texas A&M forward, beginning with a matchup against Arkansas on Saturday, and then the following week they're playing Alabama. The following week after that they're playing Tennessee. Max Johnson arguably got Ed Ogeron fired. Max Johnson's gonna get Jimbo Fisher fired in the that's, next couple. That's of weeks. Billy Joe's boy. Oh, yes. What, yeah. well, so so with that having been said, if Texas A&M beats LSU later in the season, uh, we're, in, we're in big trouble. Yeah, we're in <laughs> big <studio>. trouble. <laughs> but um, he's, he's going to get Jimbo Fisher fired here um, coming down the stretch. It, it'll be glorious, glorious to watch. <laughs> um, Texas A&M plays Arkansas every year in Jerry World. Um I don't know why Arkansas agrees to do that. It's like a road game every year. I guess because Jerry Jones is a huge booster and is probably paying them a large sum of money to do that every year. <clears throat> there are rumors and whispers that Sam Pittman is on the hot seat in Arkansas. Sam Pittman is almost like the Arkansas version of Coach O at LSU. He's an Arkansas guy who was an, like a longtime assistant coach, 
This was always the dream job that he never really all the way thought he could get, but he ends up getting. Has some success early, but now it's starting to fizzle out. And there's some rumors that the boosters there are kind of growing tired of it. And we talked the other day about Jerry Jones and his infatuation with Deion Sanders. Mm. There are some rumors and some whispers that Jerry's going to pick up the phone at the end of the season and say, yo, Prime, let's not do this cowboy thing. Mike McCarthy's doing a pretty good job. You're still a little young. But let's do this Arkansas Razorback thing. Do you think that that's a realistic po- I think it is. Uh, I, I know that Jerry and, and Dion have great respect for one another. I don't think he's going to want to stay at Colorado very long. A, that the Pac-12 future is is a mess. That'll hurt recruiting. B, cold weather hurts recruiting. I think he's going to want to get into the South at some point. I could see Jerry saying, hey, tell us a number and come on down. I think that there's a very real situation where Coach Prime is in the SEC next year. Well, if you, you paint that picture that way, yes, I, I would agree with you. And uh, my goodness. It would be uh, – I, I hope not. Stay where you are. would be quite interesting, wouldn't it? Coach Prime and Colorado are playing USC Saturday. We've talked about that a little Getting bit. crushed. Um, do you think George is the best team in the country, man? Because I've watched them a lot this year. Um, if not them, who right now? That's that's the thing. That that's that's the thing. Um, at times they struggled with UAB on Saturday. They they really didn't play well against South Carolina. They still haven't played a road game. Which how Georgia gets away with just mm-hmm. not playing anybody all year. I I don't know that. But they're on the road at Auburn Saturday. They're not going to have problems there. Auburn's not any good. But I don't know, man. Like I just don't feel like they're as good as they were last year. Connor Beck's not really doing it for me under center. They. Their leading rusher running the football has just 184 yards in three games. Like, they're not running it as well. Defense lost a bunch of guys to the NFL. Their field goal kicker stinks. He's four of seven on the season, so their special teams are not very good. Um, I don't know. I just think that, like, I think they're going to roll through their schedule and get to Atlanta. But I could see one of the West teams maybe beating them in Atlanta this year. Beat LSU, beat Alabama, beat whoever. I think this is the year that they might get knocked off in that SEC championship game. Could very well be, but it, number one team, if not George, Ohio State, Mi- Michigan. I'm not, I can't. I can't pick uh, one of those uh, two no. teams. Texas is number three right now. They beat Alabama. Are you a believer in them? Not yet. Here's the thing about Texas is, um, they struggled against Wyoming after now they they hammered Baylor last week. Um, Penn State's number six. I don't know that they're any good. I tell you, a sleeper team, Utah right now is the number 10 team in the country. They haven't had their quarterback all year. When they get Cam Rising back, who's like an all-conference caliber guy, they're a team that can maybe make the playoff. Um, They've beaten Florida, Baylor, and UCLA without their number one guy. Now, they've got a big one on Friday against Oregon State. Um, That's going to go a long way in determining their fate. But I guess what I'm getting at is usually by – about this time, you know, about a fourth of the way into the season, usually we have a pretty good idea. All right, Georgia's going to go undefeated and maybe lose a game. They're going to get in. Clemson's going to go undefeated. Ohio. Right now, there's still like 15 or 20 teams that I could say would maybe still have a chance to like get it. Like it's more, it feels more open this year than it normally does. It does. That's why I kind of wish we'd be in uh, next year's formula with 12 teams. 
Alabama would be sitting in right on the nose. Number 12, they're playing the Cowbells on Saturday. Um, I don't know, man. I wasn't overly impressed with Milrow on Saturday. I think their defense was good. That Mississippi State game scares me a little bit. Playing them that late at night and on the road. and I know I said the same thing before they played LSU and LSU clobbered them, but just a little concerned there. Alabama's going to have to play better than what they've been if they want to run away oh, with that one. Without a doubt. And it, it shouldn't be a concern, but it is this year. The way Alabama's been playing, uh, the last two years they've been playing undisciplined football. Uh, yes, it, it's a concern if you're an Alabama fan and uh, – I think Alabama's going to win the game, but it's going to be a closer game than probably what people think. Notre Dame sits at 11. They lost to Ohio State on Saturday close at home, very competitive, came down to the last few seconds. If they win the rest of their games, are they going to get back into the top four, or do you think Notre Dame's out? Man, without a conference championship game, it's going to be tough. Yeah, I, I tend to agree. And, and, and I know they got some, some challenging games coming up. So, you know, they've got, well, hell, they got a challenging game Saturday playing Duke, number 17 team in the country. Um, they still also have to play USC. Um, they have to play Clemson on the road. So they do have a chance to earn some some respect, I guess you could say. Um, but I don't know, man. I, you're right. The whole not being in a conference thing that, it just puts you at a disadvantage when you're competing against other teams that could say that they were conference champions. I'm, I'm kind of like you. I think that they might be on the outside looking in permanently now. Yeah, they're going to need some help. They're going to need these top four or five teams right now to have a, another loss to get them back in the mix. Florida and Kentucky Saturday. That's an 11 o'clock kickoff. Um, Florida looked great in their last game against Tennessee, but looked awful in their first game against uh, – I apologize. Two games ago, they looked great against Tennessee – Looked awful in the opener against Utah, and then looked awful again against Charlotte on Saturday, only winning twenty-two to seven against Charlotte, a one and three team who lost by eighteen points against Maryland. So Maryland beat Charlotte worse than Florida did. Um, was that just everything going right for Florida against Tennessee, or was that just a sign that Tennessee might, you know, not be any good? Uh, well, what do you think there? I, I think it's part of Tennessee is not as good as they were last year, no doubt. Uh, as far as Florida goes, we'll see this weekend. If they want to be mentioned <laughs> again this season, uh, they got to win. It sets up nice if they do beat Kentucky. You got Vanderbilt and South Carolina back-to-back, so you can maybe get hot. Um, but I don't know that they could win at Kentucky. That's, that's going to be tough. That's going to be a big challenge. As we mentioned in the NFL, Denver and Green Bay is the Thursday night game. Um. <clears throat> I'm not Denver, Detroit and Green Bay, my apologies. Detroit and Green Bay is the Thursday night game in the NFL slate. We have a London game this week. Um, Atlanta is taking on Jacksonville. I hate London games. I was going to say, I don't don't like those London games. I mean, it's cool to wake up at – well, who am I kidding? I wake up at 11. (laughs) Um, But for someone who wakes up early, it it would be cool, I suppose, to be eating breakfast watching a game as opposed to watching pregame shows, but – not a big fan of those. Um, the game of the week in the NFL this week, without question, is Miami and Buffalo. Um, those two teams look really good. Buffalo had a hiccup in the opener, but since then they've beaten Las Vegas 38-10 to and Washington 37-3. to All the Dolphins have done is go undefeated and scored 70 points last week against Denver. Um, there are a lot of folks that are speculating that these might be the two best teams in the NFL. 
Tua's playing at a high level, already got more than 1,000 yards passing in three games. Josh Allen, after a rough opener, is playing well. Um, this one's in Buffalo. Uh, let's see. The Saints play. What time do the Saints play? Noon. Doggone it. I was going to say if the Saints are playing in any other time other than noon, I'd be glued to this Buffalo-Miami game. But um, that should be a whole lot of fun. That's going to be a very close game. Two teams that are contenders. I want to see Josh Allen protect the damn football because, man, they're a couple of his turnovers away from making Super Bowls. They're a couple of his turnovers away from winning all their games this year. That's the one thing he has to eliminate. If he could just start protecting the ball a little better, the Bills could finally make that next step. So when the Saints are on, that's the, you watch the Saints? I mean, not being, a, I guess, a major fan – yeah, I, them, you, I do just so that I could, you know, know what I'm saying here on the next day. Yeah, and troll the Saints the next day. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, I, I watch, uh, I watch the Tampa game. And look, I'm, I'm going to flip back and forth. If Buffalo's on, I'll, I'll watch a little bit of that too. Um, Burrow and the Bengals are taking on the Tennessee Titans. Um, Burrow don't look right, and you're facing mm-hmm. that Tennessee pass rush. Um, oof, I don't like that one for him. Um. Sunday night this week, Kansas City Chiefs against the New York Jets. Did you see that? Here's my question. <laughs> How old does Colin Kaepernick have to be? And I'll get you his na- his age right now. He's 35 right now. How old does he have to be before we as a collective sports media, and you and I don't do this, but God knows they do it on ESPN and Fox and all the... How old does he have to be before every time a quarterback gets hurt, we start throwing his name out there somewhere that, like, folks, he's not ever going to play again. He's never going to play again. Does he have to be 40? Does he have to be 45 like Tom Brady? Like, at what age do we stop doing this every time a quarterback is struggling or gets hurt? He's not going to the Jets, y'all. I saw that he wrote a letter to the team and, Oh, I would love to just be given an opportunity to be on your practice squad and then blah, 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 blah. And all the folks who are all the way to the left are saying, he's being exiled. Oh, he's being blackballed. Here's the thing about Colin Kaepernick. The last time that he played was in 2016. You know what his record was in 11 starts in 2016? 1-10. So you're looking at a dude who wasn't all of that when he was in his 20s who hasn't played in seven years, and we're now trying to assume that he could go and help an NFL team tomorrow? And that's that's not even including, let's say he would be better than Zach Wilson. Hell, I'm, I might be better than yeah. Zach Wilson. Let's assume that he would be a little bit better than Zach Wilson. Is it worth bringing that Ringling Brothers and Bornham Bailey Circus into your locker room? knowing that every single day you're going to have thousands of reporters wanting to talk to Colin Kaepernick every day? Because that's the thing, right? Tim Tebow got the same treatment. Tim Tebow was such a polarizing figure that teams decided, even though he was moderately successful with Denver, he won a playoff game, he was moderately successful. Teams decided he's not good enough to warrant the shenanigans. And it's not anything that Tebow was doing, but it's just he was a cult-like figure and reporters follow him and it made it a circus. That's why Colin Kaepernick's not going to get an opportunity. A, the ability doesn't warrant what would come with it. 
And, and what would come with it is so much attention on a team that is already in New York and gets a ton of it anyway. That's why he's not going to play again. Doesn't have anything to do with any of that other stuff. Look, every time Kaepernick's name is mentioned by him or whoever to go to a, a certain team, it's because that team is is lost a quarterback and they're terrible. And they have enough distractions already trying to get their stuff right, their ship right. They don't need any more distractions coming in. So I, I would understand why you wouldn't take him. And you just mentioned he's not good enough. If he would be good enough, I'm sure – someone out there would have them on their roster from the get-go. Absolutely. Terrell Owens kept getting jobs, even though he was destroying locker rooms. Why? Because he would catch for 1,500 yards every year. If you're going to produce on the field, they'll deal with you. Greg Hardy beat the hell out of a woman and got additional opportunities. Why? Because Greg Hardy would get 10 sacks a year. Colin Kaepernick was 1-10 the last time he was a starting quarterback. Didn't finish the year, but he got benched. And that was seven years ago. Like, at some age, we're going to have to stop linking him to all of these openings that come up in the NFL. I would think this would be his last attempt when you got to write your own letter to an NFL team. Yeah, I wrote I a letter. I would, I would be thrilled to lead your practice squad. What is this, Rudy? Practice squad. You, you, you want to go and be Rudy? Come, come on, man. Get get out of here. Oh, my. Um, Aaron Rodgers spoke today <laughs> um, on the Pat McAfee show. Aaron Rodgers appears every Tuesday on the Pat McAfee show and had some very interesting things to say about his teammates, the New York Jets. <laughs> he said, I think we need to hold our poise a little bit better across the board offensively, we need to not have some of those things happen on the sideline and just be a little better and just be a little bit more competitors. Of course, he's referencing the wide receivers on Sunday wanting to kill Zach Wilson during the game. Um, So that frustration's there. That frustration's not going away, Brian. I remember last year you and I talking about this. Um, They had locker room mutiny over Wilson last year. He hadn't gotten any better, folks. That locker room does not want to play for him. And what's going to end up happening is your great defense that you have, because you unquestionably do have a great defense, they're going to stop competing. They're, you're going to start giving up points, and you're going to start getting blown out and ugly. But with all that having been said, it could end up being a blessing in disguise. You know why? Why? Because they're going to get a top-five pick, and they're going to go and get a weapon that next year Aaron Rodgers will be able to use, and they could be better for it. They might have been a piece away this year, and by having this season that they're going to have, they might end up getting themselves improved and get that one piece that they were missing. Yeah, and look, that Pat McAfee show, we can talk about it maybe tomorrow. That needs to be played late at night. I love the Pat McAfee. I know you're not the a language, huge fan. I love the Pat McAfee. It's for regular TV. It's cool. I would love to have the liberty to say some of the things that they say on the Pat McAfee show, but unfortunately we would lose our or um, license if we did. You got the music playing, my man. You figured it out. Got it going. The music tells me it's time for us to go. Tomorrow, we're going to have Stan Gravla. Tomorrow, we're going to have Taylor Griffin. Um, Tomorrow, we're going to start breaking down some of these high school matchups. You've been listening to Play by Play. I want to thank BJ Young for his time. Thanks to all of you for your questions. 
tonight. Um, I will be at Central Lafouche watching the Trojans Junior Varsity and Freshman teams take on Terrebonne, but there's games around the area. Go support your local schools. God bless. Love you guys.